Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, where today it is all about love. We're talking about romantic movies and also the top rom-coms of the 2000s. I have a movie review later that's about love because it's almost Valentine's Day, right? It is. So I'm joined here by my co-host and fiance, Kelsey. All that to say, if you love love, and who doesn't love love, right? Who doesn't? This is the episode for you. So without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so I put the question out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook across all platforms at Mike Distro, and I just wanted to know what everybody thought the best romantic movie is. And I said romantic movie because I think romantic movies and rom-coms are different. One will just make you feel, it'll reignite your kind of passion for love. And the other will kind of make you laugh with also following a love story. But I just want to know what's the most romantic movie ever. And I was a little bit surprised by the amount of responses we got like instantly. I think people love romantic movies because it feels good to watch a movie to inspire you again or make you feel like, oh, there is somebody out there like that. Or there's some kind of love story out there that you aspire to. Do you think that's kind of why people love romantic movies? Yeah, I think there's just something like hopeful about them like finding something like that or just because love isn't always what it's like in the movies right it's very rarely what it's like in the movies and i think even for me watching romantic movies growing up and even as a teenager and adult you kind of develop a different expectation sometimes for what romance could be what a perfect love story could be but i think it's kind of nice just to see something like that and play out perfectly, if you will. Because when the, at the end of a romantic movie, everything's tied up in a nice little bow. They get married, they go away, and you hear nothing after that. But I guess it's just kind of having that slice of like, this is just the perfect love story, right? I think so. So I kind of found for me, 
even a few of my top favorite movies of all time are romantic movies, so I won't talk too much about those. But last week, if you missed the Burning Movies Questions episode, I talked about Her and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which are romantic movies. But another one of my favorite romantic movies that we watched recently was one you made me watch, Serendipity. Yes, I was just about to say, I was thinking that one in my head. Is that one of your favorite ones? It is. Now, I had heard about this movie. I knew what it was about. It's John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. And I think it's overall just the plot about it is pretty fun. And it's borderline, would you call it cheesy? I don't think it's that cheesy. It's just kind of a fun story, right? I don't think it's cheesy. It's pretty romantic. What makes it one of your favorites? I don't want to spoil it, but it's also like 20 years old. So is that spoiling it? It came out in 2001. That is literally 20 years old at this point. I mean, I think you can give the overall plot of what it's about. It's John Cusack's character and Kate Beckinsale's character essentially meeting. They're both in different relationships, and they're trying to find their way back to each other without really giving each other the information. It's like kind of like a game the whole time, right? Yeah, so it's, um, it's the idea of like if they're meant to be together, they'll find a way. And, like, they will end up together. And I just think there's something so romantic about that. I do, too. I think it plays out perfectly well in the movie to where it's exciting throughout the movie. And for me, I don't particularly love romantic movies. And this one, I don't know. There was just something different about it and so well done that I really liked it. So I think that's really one of the best ones I've seen in a while. And it came out 20 years ago. All right. And another one of my favorites of all time is a movie called Up in the Air with George Clooney. And it's about George Clooney's character who's playing this guy who his job is to go around to different companies and fire people. <laughs> and he travels all around the country doing this. And in it, he kind of becomes like a really kind of reclusive person and also one who just doesn't really have any strong relationships and kind of views marriage as something he would never do and just never want to be in a relationship, never want to be tied down because this whole thing he's trying to accomplish is have like the most airline miles out of everybody. And there was just a clip in this entire movie that stuck with me the entire time since I've seen this movie. And it came out in 2009. And it's after he finally finds somebody who basically has the same kind of lifestyle that he does. And he's able to connect with her and kind of change his mind. I won't ruin the end of it because I think it's still a movie you can go watch and enjoy, even though it came out 10 plus years ago now. But there was a line in the movie where he's talking to his soon-to-be brother-in-law. And he's talking to him about the best moments of your life and how it's always more important if you spend those with other people. Your favorite memories, the most important moments in your life. Were you alone? Mm, no, I guess not. And I don't know why, but that little clip always just kind of was embedded into my mind because before I met you... I didn't really see myself as being the kind of person who would want to get married and be in that kind of relationship. And it was really finding you that was like, man, like there is more to life out there. There is actually somebody that's kind of worth doing this life with. And I thought about like all the memories I had because I was single for so long, didn't have anybody. And it was finding you really that was like, man, I want to do things with somebody else and experience moments because... I think a lot of in my life, I was trying to accomplish these goals. Like it was being in radio, being a part of a show. And I found that as I would achieve things, it sometimes left me feeling a little bit empty because I had those goals, but I had no one to share them with. 
And it was until I found you that I had somebody to share those with. And I always thought of that clip in that movie. So I'm glad I found you. It's <laughs> the conclusion to this story why it's one of my favorites. That makes me all sappy, but also save that for your wedding vows. Okay. <laughs> Can I just take that <laughs> clip and use it in my wedding vows? Yes. How upset <laughs> would you be if I quoted a movie in our wedding vows? Like line for line, like a romantic scene from a movie. Like that's just your whole wedding vows is taken from a movie. There's nothing like you put into it or it's your vows and you just kind of like sprinkle a movie clip in there or like a line from a movie. I would like to incorporate either a line from a movie or a line from a song. And we're writing our own wedding vows. And I don't know. I just it kind of just hit me just now thinking about that. I don't think I'd be upset. Now, if that was your whole like if you just like took movie quotes and that was your whole vows. I'd probably be a little like, mm, but you can sprinkle that in. So if I just did the whole when Harry met Sally thing, you'd be like, uh, I've heard this before. Yeah, we also just recently watched that. So yeah, that's true. That was one of, um, I think everybody who submitted their most romantic movies, that was kind of up there at the top. And we rewatched that pretty recently. And I got to say, I don't think that movie holds up so much. What did you think? I don't think so either. I was just about to say, I would not put that. I felt like that was going to be a popular answer but it's not it's good i don't think it's one of the most romantic movies though i think it's been out so long came out you know 89 i mean it's an iconic romantic comedy and it was really early on i don't think the 80s get enough credit for romantic comedies i think now we think of more of the 90s and what we'll talk about later the 2000s that really just had like the best rom-coms in my opinion but the 80s really had some great romantic stories that people have just either they don't talk about as much or there's only so few of them that are really like the best. But I think it's a little bit underrated in the 80s. But also a lot of these, I just feel like they don't hold up. When Harry Met Sally, I think it's a good love story. I don't think it's a great love story. And watching that, I don't think so either. Watching that movie back, I was like, it's really just two people like will they, won't they throughout the entire movie. I get that part of it. But I didn't feel there was anything super romantic about that aside from the very last romantic scene that we all know aside from that i don't think it's that great of a movie like i found harry was kind of a jerk throughout the entire movie and i don't know if that's how you're supposed to feel about him but i was like man i don't like this guy <laughs> but that was one of the most um voted in listener romantic movies i'll kind of just go through those since i'm on those already but that came in at number five at number four was sweet home alabama a classic yeah at number three was love actually I'm making a face, which I know people can't see, but eh, overrated. We also watched that one because we watched every single Christmas movie ever known to That's man true. this past year. It kind of got blurred in there when we watched all the other ones. And then number two was Titanic. Okay, yeah. I still feel a little bit overrated, but I think it's just because it was so famous and did just crushed at the box office and was kind of the movie for a very long time that I feel that way about it. I think if I went back and watched it now, I would kind of re-remember how romantic and great that movie is. But I feel an overall... I haven't seen Titanic in so long. I haven't watched it since you had to watch it on like two VHS. Two VHS the double VHS. We haven't seen that in a long time. But yeah, I still feel like that's a good love story. And I saw somebody actually on TikTok recently post that they didn't understand the ending of that movie, which if you haven't seen Titanic by now, you know how it ends. You know the story. But they didn't realize at the very end when Rose is an old woman that she, it's her dying at the end of the movie because she throws the thing back into the ocean and you see her back as young Rose going and meeting Leonardo DiCaprio at the staircase and you see all the people around him and they just realized for the first time that all the people in that scene are all dead. I was like, that, yeah, that was the whole movie. 
But it's just funny how old that movie is now when you think about it. It is old. I would also just like to let everyone know that most of your stories these days start with, I saw something on TikTok. That's where I watch everything. (laughs) That's my go-to. I mean, there's a lot of just... The thing I love about TikTok is that you get a different viewing experience for anybody who's on it. If you're not on it... However many videos you watch about a certain thing, they just start to feed you that videos. And I watch a lot of things about movies, so a lot of my stuff gets pulled from there now. It's like after 20 minutes of TikTok before bed, I'm like, okay, <laughs> enough TikTok. And at number one, the most romantic movie sent in by the listeners, what do you think it is? The Notebook. It is The Notebook. You're also making a visual gag face. Overrated at this point. <laughs> I feel like the book was better than the movie. I didn't read the book. I saw the movie. And I I don't want to hate on the notebook, but I also don't think that's the best love story. I get the overall why it's so beloved. And you have Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams. But I just don't see the overall appeal of why that movie has held up so well over time. Nicholas Sparks writes a way better love story than it gets made into films, I feel like. Like, he can write a great love story. Like, reading those, great. Screenplay adaptation, not the best. A better love movie that I like from Rachel McAdams is a movie called About Time. Yeah. It's a great one. It's about the overall message of that movie is you have to experience life and not manipulate it because he's trying to travel through time and pick apart all the best parts and make life perfect. But then you realize it's living those moments that really make you who you are and make you care about the people in your life and about love. So I think, in my opinion, that's a better romantic movie with Rachel McAdams. And I think one of the first real romantic movies that kind of made me emotional. It took a lot for me to kind of break down that wall, but that's one of mine. Another one on here I would put in was garden state, which also had a really great soundtrack. If you don't remember that it was kind of the launching of kind of of Zach Braff into film because he was doing scrubs at the time. And he put together this movie with the soundtrack and won a, Oscar for it, and probably the biggest song to come from it was this song by The Shins. What are you listening to? The Shins. Gold teeth and a curse for this town are all in my mouth Only I don't know it's good i like it so that is from the movie garden state um a very indie movie and i remember at the time when it came out in 2004 it was very big on like people putting that on their myspace page like a little graphic on it so that's kind of that time period of that movie you know another one i saw surprisingly a lot of people post about was another one we just recently watched called while you were sleeping with sandra bullock from 1995 and it's basically Sandra Bullock before she was Sandra Bullock I think you remember watching this movie as a kid no I got it confused I thought it was one that my mom loved but it's apparently sleeping with the enemy that my mom really likes okay so we watched this one on accident but it had Christmas in it so it kind of fit into the theme but we didn't watch it on purpose I thought it was something else so good though this was another one I was surprised a lot of people thought it was a very romantic movie because when you think and watch this movie it's a little bit creepy It is. Because it's about Sandra Bullock, who's infatuated with this guy who comes and takes the, was it like a train every day? And she's working at the train and she like fantasizes falling in love and marrying this guy. 
He gets hurt and falls on the track, and she saves his life, goes to the hospital, and then, in order to see him, poses as his fiance. Her, his family is there, and then this whole thing kind of goes back and forth while he's in a coma. Everybody thinks that he actually got engaged to her. So it's a little bit weird, but I think an overall fun romantic movie. Yeah, I don't think I would name it one of my top romantic movies. I don't think it even scratches the list, but it was a fun watch. It felt very 90s. Another one that you introduced me to was Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, I like that it told like several stories in one and like as the movie goes on, they kind of start to like weave together. So it wasn't just one like linear plot. It just kind of had some twists to it. Another one that made the list was for me, The Wedding Singer classic and you would know this song from it make you smile whenever you're sad carry you around when your arthritis is bad all i want to do is grow old with you i'll get your medicine when your tummy aches build you a fire if the furnace breaks so it could be so nice growing old with you another classic i think my overall favorite romantic movie that i just rewatched and i talked about last week was her i still stand by that movie and rewatching it i kind of found a scene that really made me kind of solidify that thought was when he does fall in love with his operating system they sing a song together and there's just this different kind of layer of personifying a piece of technology and really believing that somebody can find love in the most non-traditional way. And you're looking at me with this really puzzled face. Why do you think that... It's not puzzled. I'm just judging you. Why? You don't think that's romantic? I think that's the most romantic thing, that somebody could fall in love... With an operating system? Yes, But in the movie, you find out more about her and she becomes so advanced to the point to where she can almost physically feel things. And she has like a mind of her own that it doesn't become so weird. And when he takes her around to like his family and friends, they're like, all right, cool. You're dating your operating system. What else you got? What'd you bring for dinner? Okay, this reminds me of those stories of like people marrying like spirits and ghosts. That's what I feel like this is equivalent to. Well, I still think it's romantic. Uh, Other ones on my list that we've seen together are Love, Simon. So good. What I love about that movie, and I think any quintessential romantic movie needs that one scene that you're just like, all right, that it finally happened. Like this scene of triumph that I think any really good movie has, whether it be a romantic movie or even like an action movie. That scene that really makes you get up on your seat and kind of be excited for the character in the movie. And I think this movie really had that moment. And I think that's why I liked it so much. Another one I would add would probably be Silver Linings Playbook. I kind of like... A good one. I like the more... It's not really a sad, dramatic love story. It is in a way. You have two people that are very unlikely love interests in a movie. And you have mental illness played into this movie. And it just tells it in a different way. And also you have Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence, which are amazing together. I really enjoy that one. And the final romantic movie I would like to talk about actually isn't a movie, but I thought we would share our quick little love story of how we got together. So if you're new to this podcast, Kelsey is my fiance. We've been together now for almost three years. And our quintessential love story is we met online on an app. We did. We met it. 
Not on Bumble. On Bumble. You how did I been away from it so long? How does Bumble work again? I swiped on you and then you had also swiped on me, so then we matched and then I had to message you first. And at the time I was traveling a lot for work. I was currently like I am living in Nashville and going a lot to Austin, Texas, where I used to live and where you lived. And I was there so much. I was like, all right, let's get on Bumble and see what happens. And I matched with you. And I was like, hey, I'm coming back to town. Let's go out for dinner for our first date. And we went to Matt's El Rancho, our little spot there in Austin. And we were long distance for two and a half years, almost. Two. Two years. And now we've been together. Going on three, are engaged, and going to get married this summer. So That we are. To anybody who thinks that, one, you can't find love online, I think that whole kind of thing has been erased now. I think we're so far into dating apps and that whole kind of... I guess we didn't really have a stigma with like meeting on a dating app. I feel like when we told our families, it was like, okay, that's how you met. That's how people meet now. I think maybe if we did it five years before, it would be like, oh, like a little weird but also i mean long distance we're kind of proof that you can do it like there was a lot of facetime communication with us a lot of phone calls um a lot of planning out weekends to take flights so it is a hard thing to do but if you had to give one piece of advice to somebody in a long distance relationship what do you think that would be our goal was always to never leave one weekend without having plans of when the next time we were going to see each other And I will say it was hard because you, pre-pandemic, traveled a lot for work. I'm finishing grad school, working full-time, so we both had busy schedules. But I think if if you know early on that it's something that you think could go somewhere, just invest in it. And it's not always going to be easy. But I think just communicate. Make sure you know when you're going to see each other next. I mean, in the very beginning, we would go like six weeks without seeing each other, which was awful. I don't recommend that one. No. But then we got it down to like every like three weeks, sometimes even two weeks. So I think just as much as your schedule allows. Yeah, that wasn't one tip, but. <laughs> it's a good overall what, what we went through. I think also adding on to that is at some point you have to come up with a plan of how things you, how you want things to end up and where you think you want to go. Because if you're in a long distance relationship, I think at some point you have to decide when you're not going to be long distance anymore. And it's different amounts of time for different people, depending on what situation you're in. But for us, it was kind of finding that like when we were like serious about the relationship and when we were like, okay, this is how we're going to make it happen and the steps we have to do to get there. I think you have to have that end goal in sight at some point. Otherwise, it just kind of feels like you're just going along and the distance is always going to be there and always kind of weigh down the relationship. So setting those parameters, that's what you got to do, too. Well, there you go. Those are the most romantic movies. We'll come back and talk about the best rom-coms of the 2000s. Get some movie reviews in later after this. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? 
That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, so I actually got this question last week in Burning Movie Questions, and I wanted to save it for this week. It comes from Emily on Instagram. She said, what happened to rom-coms? There were some good ones in the 90s and 2000s, but not now. And I kind of feel the same way about rom-coms with the way I do just about comedies overall in general. It's harder to get somebody's attention into a romantic comedy and something that's supposed to be funny because you can go online and really see something funny a lot quicker, and it takes a lot longer for a comedic story to take place over an entire movie now. I just feel like our attention spans have gotten shorter. That That's a very hard genre to keep doing. And I know there's a bunch of great ones in the 80s and 90s, but I wanted to focus on the 2000s because I feel like that was just such a golden age of rom-coms. And I have a list here that I put together of what I think are essentially the best ones. We'll start first with 2005 Hitch. I've seen Hitch many times. I feel like it's always on TV. I also remember watching it in my speech class once in high school. Don't really know how that fit in, but I remember watching it there, but it's great. I also put on the list Sex in the City from 2008, which fun fact about me, I've seen every single episode of Sex in the City, and I've also seen both movies. The first one is great. The second one is a bomb in my opinion, but I am curious. Yeah, the second one's dismal. It's pretty bad, but I thought this one was good. Like it's, It kind of was a great 
cap on the entire series and it's funny also i think would fall in line in the romantic comedies and i'm kind of interested to see the reboot series are you all into that oh we will be watching the reboot series all right we're in for it i think one of your favorites i put on the list was from 2009 the proposal yeah so good why do you love that one okay we have sandra bullock and betty white together which is iconic there's a great scene in the woods where they're singing. It's just funny. Like, I I love Sandra Bullock. She's one of my favorite actresses. I also love Betty White. And Ryan Reynolds is great in it. And Mary Steenburgen. It just has a really good cast. From 2002, another one of your favorites, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which yes. I will admit we started and I couldn't finish. <laughs> which I'm giving you a look right now because it's great. So we're going to finish that soon. Another one of your favorites from 2006, She's the Man. Would you think... Qualify this as a rom-com? Oh, yeah. A movie you probably couldn't make today, but it's still, it doesn't, we watched it. Oh, yeah, recently. no, you couldn't, you couldn't make that. In, yeah, no, I would not, I also, not go over well. Also put on the list, Wedding Crashers from 2005, 13 Going on 30 from 2004, which was one of my favorite movies, like, for a really long time, because I think it was one of the few that we had on DVD. Excellent. We've watched that one together, I think. Yeah, we did. And speaking of from TikTok earlier, I did see the girl from that movie as an adult now kind of reenacting one of the scenes. I thought that was funny. Oh, yeah. She's been in a lot of stuff. And then I also put on the list Knocked Up from 2007, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, um, Bridget Jones' Bridget Jones's Diary. It's okay. I feel like that one's a little overrated, honestly. What about 27 Dresses? Amazing. Iconic. You love that one, really? Oh, I love 27 Dresses. I feel like girls relate to that one more because we've all been a bridesmaid a million times and you just get it more. Yeah, I don't think... Maybe guys, it doesn't have the same effect. That one really didn't have that effect on me. And then I think the last one here um, would be 50 First Dates from 2004. One of your favorites? So good. I love that movie. It's so sweet. Well, anyway, that's the list. You have rom-com recommendations. You have just romantic recommendations. So you have a bunch of things you can watch this valentine's day if we had to pick one movie that we should watch on valentine's day what do you think it should be you go first i mean i kind of think you should rewatch her for valentine's day really yes it's a great romantic movie it overall has a red theme to it i think it would be great i'm gonna go with crazy stupid love because you can't go wrong spoiler alert we won't be watching her on valentine's day i think we will i think we'll have a, a coin flip can we settle it that way? Okay. Gets on Amazon. Finds two-headed <laughs> All right. Let's get into a movie review now. Talking about the brand new Netflix movie called Malcolm and Marie, which is just in time for Valentine's Day. It stars Zendaya and John David Washington, who is actually Denzel Washington's son, if you don't know about that. But before we get into the spoiler-free movie review, here's just a little bit of Malcolm and Marie. You know what, Malcolm? I feel like once you know someone is there for you and once you know they love you, you never actually think of them again. It's until you're about to lose someone that you finally pay attention. Well, what is it, Marie? What do you want? Really? Do you want to go there? Yes. Okay. All right, so this is actually a movie I wasn't expecting from Netflix. I knew it was going to be a love story, and they always kind of put out these romantic movies right before Valentine's Day. And I kind of wanted a little bit something different. And I knew because it was in black and white that it was kind of going to have an artsy feel to it. So I was going into it with that state of mind. I knew it was going to be dramatic. I knew it was going to be romantic. And I really enjoyed maybe about half of this movie. And I'll explain why. But the overall story is about John David Washington's character in the movie. He is a filmmaker. And his girlfriend is Zendaya in the movie. And they just actually got back from his premiere. He's like a new 
director who's never really gotten a great review on his movies. So they come back from this premiere and they're just overall kind of getting into it as a couple arguing. And you find out a lot about them and about the movie he made and how a lot of it was kind of based on her story as being a drug addict who kind of got her life back together. And the tension comes from the fact that he didn't thank her while speaking at the movie premiere. He thanked all of his cast and crew, all the actors and actresses in the movie, but he failed to thank her even though he used maybe unintentionally, a lot of her likeness to make this story great. And it kind of presents this question of, if you're so influenced by somebody without knowing it, like they kind of got you to that point to be able to make that art. And I think we see this a lot in news stories now when maybe sometimes celebrities get divorced and they're splitting their assets and you think of like, why did they have to give them half of their things? You know, but it kind of explains how important somebody is in your relationship and how they can contribute to their art and how without that person you really couldn't have made that happen so I thought that was kind of a cool point that they made the other thing I liked about this movie is how stripped down it felt it almost plays out like a like a play would because it's essentially two characters throughout the entire movie and them kind of going back and forth one location takes place in one night and it's a very stripped down just Pretty much just getting raw acting out of these two characters. And I think if you didn't have such great actors doing this movie, it would have had no chance of even being a glimmer of a good movie. Now, where this movie kind of lost me was in that same kind of thing that I liked about it, that it was just two characters. It's a little drawn out at an hour and 47 minutes. It's hard to make something so kind of captivating with such a minimal cast, with such a minimal plot, you kind of feel towards the end of it that you're just watching people arguing and it does get to some pretty intense moments and it gets to like these different kind of ups and downs throughout the movie, but I just don't feel like it was enough there. I would have liked a little bit something more as compelling as it was, but then the other thing you have to consider is this thing was made during the pandemic. So so it kind of shows that shift how you can make a different movie and adapt your storytelling because just having two actors in the room You have a minimal cast. You have a minimal crew that you're overall working with to make this movie. And when things are just so restricted right now, especially in Los Angeles where they make a bunch of these movies, is that they don't have a lot of crew to work with. And they're having to make movies now in a whole different world. So I think that... So I think it is saying a lot here that it's really the first Hollywood feature to be entirely written, financed, and produced during the pandemic And the filming took place back in June and July of last year. So I think that's actually pretty cool and kind of that stylistic approach to making it black and white. I think all of that plays into it. But at the end of the day, I think it still has to be a good movie regardless of when it's made. I don't think you really get bonus points for kind of doing it during under those restrictions. So overall, I would give this story and this movie 2.5 out of 5 bowls of macaroni. There were some really kind of That is what I think about Malcolm and Marie. It is on Netflix if you want to go watch it. I don't think it's the most romantic movie, but if you're looking for something a little bit different in that kind of genre, maybe you'll enjoy this one. And if you're just a stickler for black and white for some reason, you'll like that too. All right, let's get into some movie news now. Now, last week, all the Golden Globe nominees were announced, and I don't really get that excited for the Golden Globes. I know a lot of people say that, oh, the Golden Globes are kind of the predecessor and they predict who will be nominated for Oscars, but I just never really got interested in the Golden Globes because I feel like 
as insider as the Oscars are and how nitpicky they are, I feel like the Golden Globes are even more so on that. So they really dial into movies that are like, all right, that's going to get nominated. Like, really, that movie over this movie? So I get a little bit annoyed with the Golden Globes. They're also not really great TV to watch. It's the one where they're all sitting down in tables and eating, you know, dinner. You get some funny gifts after the award show, but I think they're just not even great to watch. So I don't really get excited when the Golden Globe nominees come out. So I'll just kind of talk about the ones I was most surprised by. And then I'm excited for that they're actually getting some kind of award show recognition. Up first, I'll talk about the best motion picture category for a musical or a comedy. Hamilton got nominated, which I debated whether or not that was qualified as a movie. It shows now that it is. It has that Golden Globe nomination. Along with that, in a comedy, is Borat. Like, I thought that was amazing that Borat, a movie I really enjoyed last year, is actually getting recognition and being considered award-worthy. So I really love to see that. Also, one of my favorite movies, Palm Springs of last year, is also nominated in that category. So that really kind of gave me hope that there could be some great Oscar movies that get nominated this year, especially in such a weird year for movies where everything was kind of delayed and postponed. You have fewer great movies to pick from. So I think this award season is going to be very interesting. Along those same lines, you have Best Performance by an Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Also, Sasha Barry Cohen for Borat, Lin-Manuel Miranda in Hamilton, and Andy Sandberg for Palm Springs. So I think that's a great category right there. Out of all the nominees so far for the Golden Globes, I'm really interested in the musical or comedy genre because I just really liked a lot of these people's performances in this category. And I think out of anybody who deserves to win, it's these people. And then you also have the Best Drama category. The nominees are The Father, Mank, No Man Land, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago 7, which was a fantastic movie for Netflix. What I kind of take away from this is that we've come so far in Netflix just kind of being an authority now in filmmaking. I remember when it was a novel thing for a Netflix movie to be nominated for anything, and now it's just like, yeah, of course a Netflix movie is dominated. You see all of these streaming services have their movies nominated now, even from Palm Springs. It's a Hulu movie, so... Also cool to see, and especially in a year where movie theaters just didn't happen. Also in movie news, Oscar-winning actor Christopher Plummer passed away at the age of 91. He was best known for his role in The Sound of Music. And also in 2012, at the age of 82, he became the oldest winner ever in the Academy Awards, taking home the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for his role in Beginners. He was also in Knives Out last year, was fantastic in it, was sad when I saw that headline come across. A bit of movie drama coming out with Olivia Wilde, who is directing her second major motion picture called Don't Worry Darling, has a really great cast, and a member of that cast who is no longer a part of the movie is Shia LaBeouf, who had an abrupt exit from that movie, and I think it has a lot to do with what he's going through with personally now. You may have seen some news stories about him and some allegations about him, and he just overall seems like he has a lot of trouble in his life, and really over his whole entire career that he kind of is up and he's very famous for a while doing really successful things and then he's kind of back down he just has this kind of track record of not being such a great guy and she kind of called him out for it which i like his movies a lot i don't know him personally like he's one of those actors that i'm compelled by watching him on the screen and I'll, and i pretty much will watch him in anything now but she basically put out a statement saying that there are no a-holes allowed when she's making a movie so that's why he is out 
All right, and that's going to do it for movie news for this week. I want to thank all you guys for listening. And I've been getting a lot of really just nice messages of how this podcast has become your Monday routine. And I love seeing those messages. It really means a lot to me that you stick around and listen to the new episode every single week. And if you're not subscribed to this point, that would mean a lot to me just to make sure you get those brand new episodes every single week. And also, if you don't mind leaving a five-star rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts because that really helps me a lot with getting discovered and bringing new people to listen to this podcast. And if you don't mind, tell a friend. But getting into now my shout-out of the week, which I do every single week just to one of you guys listening who tweets me, sends me a DM on Instagram, or emails me at moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this one is actually over on Twitter. And it comes to us from Jeremy Banta. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he said, I've never considered myself a movie lover, but I really enjoy your podcast and find myself watching a movie or two based off something you recommend this week. Keep up the good work. And I just want to say thanks, Jeremy. And this means a lot to me because I think I do this podcast because I love movies. I love talking about movies. And I try to do it in a way to, even if you don't love movies, you either learn a little bit of something or you're inspired to go watch something I talk about. And you don't always have to agree with my movie reviews, but I'm just giving you my opinion on things. So I really appreciate it when I get messages like this. So just thanks to everybody for listening. And also I wanted to give another shout out to Zach Kuhn, who I was recently on his podcast. He does a podcast here in Nashville. Talks to a lot of people in the industry here. And I kind of talk more about what I do for my main job, which I work on the Bobby Bone Show, where I'm a head writer and producer there. So if you wanted to get my story more of what I do for that side of my life, we kind of dug into it a lot more. And he's a really great guy. We also talked about movies in that. So if you want to go listen to that, you can search his show. It's the Zach Kuhn Show, and that's spelled Z-A-K-K-U-H. And just search that on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and listen to that episode. I actually told a story on there that I've never told anywhere before. So if you want to go listen to that, you'll hear it. Hope you guys have a great week. Have a great Valentine's Day. And until next Monday, later. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe. And my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.